Hello, hello, podcast number four. Thank you for joining me again. I'm very glad you're back with us. If you're new, hi. Um, Wanted just to say a quick hello to the actors I was working up with in Edinburgh this week. Hi, you said you'd listen. Please do spread the word. That goes the same for everyone. Please tell tell all um, that this is quite fun and this will help people get from A to B, commuting, doing your housework, whatever it is you do, however you listen to your podcasts, this is one to listen to. I've been told that my voice is quite calming. Um, at the moment, I'm feeling, I think I'm forcing bubbly a little bit today because I've, uh, I'm a little bit tired from a few days work and Flying back and forth. It's only an hour flight, Matthew, but still. Um, I've been quite busy and I have to kind of maintain a level of energy during the work I do up in Edinburgh with uh, uh, the teaching acting scenario that, uh, that I have to, yeah, keep that up. And so I do come back slightly depleted. But anyway, I hope I'm not too depleted for you today. So thank you for joining me. Um, yes, a few things to talk about before we go any further. We will jump back in and sort of continue with the life story um, a little bit but uh, don't worry we're nearly at the end of the life story and we are I promise uh, I'm I'm actually I have recordings booked with other guests uh, coming very soon so please be prepared for that um, and uh, yes my subscribers have gone up and we'd like to get a few more so please as I say spread the word anyway Moving onwards, so few things that have happened in the last uh, week or so since we last chatted. Um, the first thing is um, it's the return of The Walking Dead this week. Yes, so excited. Um, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to zombie stuff. Um, so uh, anything zombie related, I have actually played a zombie uh, in a in a romantic comedy um, film a, a few years ago. Um, and that was my first experience. I would love to be in something like The Walking Dead. is is just wonderful. Which leads me to a podcast I want to recommend to you. Um, if you haven't listened to it before, there's a podcast called The Nerdist. And I think they have an actual website called Nerdist.com, I believe. Um, and it's hosted by this guy called Chris Hardwick. And they're on a number... I think it's something like 851. So I'm a few behind. But Chris Hardwick is is, is a stand-up co- uh, comedian and he presents a show um, that's related to The Walking Dead. It's it's a kind of a uh, an assessment of what's just happened in the last episode, interviews with guests and actors and people from it. And it's kind of a, a fun take on the show you've just seen, which is usually probably pretty traumatic. Anyway, so he does this show, but then he does this podcast with a few other guys called The Nerdist. And they have every kind of guest from Tracy Ullman to Daniel Radcliffe um, to John Stamos. Um, Just everybody, everybody and anybody um, uh, who's willing to come in and be fun with them. And they're quite freestyle. I find it quite inspiring. Um, But they've just had an episode, 851, find it on iTunes. uh, And they interviewed Keanu Reeves. And I have to say, what a wonderful man. Really, really warm, very intelligent and super charming. Um, and he also is Keanu Reeves. You've got to love it. Um, but yeah, even if you're not a fan, I think you'd probably end up being won over and falling in love with the man. So highly, highly recommend that. Um, other things, it's also, as well as the return of The Walking Dead, it's also 
not far away from the return of RuPaul's Drag Race, another another favourite of mine. Um, and uh, they've re- they've announced the season nine queens, and uh, we've seen pictures and interviews of them all. And this year we have a Brit, even though he's a Bostonian in origin, he lives and works in London most of the time. Um, a a guy, a lady called Charlie Hydes, who performs at the Vauxhall Tavern. And I have encountered the Vauxhall Tavern um, way back around the time we were doing uh, the uh, a play, a site-specific play called Dogging, written by my friend Tony Higgins, who will be joining us at some point, who's now writing for TV, um, television's Holby City, and television's Casualty. So, um, but he'll come in and talk about that. Um, but not about those, a little bit, but anyway... Um, whilst we were working at the Vauxhall Tavern, uh, we did encounter all the queens there. And so, yes. So anyway, all I'm saying is watch it and support our adopted Brit. Um, and I'm very excited about that. So things that have happened. Also, there's been quite a lot of debate around the old Gaga this week. Now, I haven't mentioned her before. And I have a feeling that a lot of my topics of conversation this week are actually going to be things that some people would say are stereotypes. And they're stereotypes. Stereotypes become stereotypes for a reason. Um, they come from a place of truth, usually. And I, I'm, I've already mentioned RuPaul and Gaga, and apparently there's there's a tie in there as well. She's on the new season. She's on the first episode of the new season, um, I think, as a judge. Anyway, we've just seen a clip of her. However, she performed in the Super Bowl last week. And yes, so cliche cliche i loved it i absolutely adored it the performance was energy is not the word she started the show on top of the um, stadium on the roof flew down into the arena onto the pitch um and uh I, I, i mean I don't want to spoil it for you in case you haven't had a chance to watch it. You should. You definitely don't need to be a fan. I think it's just, it's huge spectacle. My love of spectacle, which comes from, oh my goodness, from years of watching uh, big live shows uh, by bands and and, uh, and just love, I always love, I love spectacle in theatre. But yeah, wonderful. Highly recommend it. But people criticised her for not speaking out and not speaking out against certain situations. Um, now, I think that's not necessarily the place to do it. I mean, well, yes, it is. Yes, actually, it is. But I think she did say enough and do enough in just singing her songs that are pretty powerful and pretty much say a lot already. She, I, I don't think, I think it would have just been switched off. I think we would have lost a performance if she'd started spouting, mentioning names and I think that would have been the end of the show. So she did what she did and she sang Born This Way. And of course, Born This Way has the lyrics of Born This Way. That the first time, and I don't know, maybe it'll be the last time, but certainly the first time anyone has sang the word transgender during a Super Bowl. Um, also, she deals with, she sings about being positive about wherever you're from, whatever race you're from. Um, she mentions the word Lebanese, Chola, um, Orient, um, uh, whether you're, what's the uh, the lyric about, uh, whether you're gay, straight or bi, something about transgender life, that's where the line comes in. Anyway, 
she did do it. She did say that, and that's pretty revolutionary. So I'm not saying she's a revolution. Well, yes, actually, she is a bit. Anyway, I think people need to uh, to chill down on that one and actually <laughs> go back and watch it and listen to what she's singing. And it was an amazing performance. Anyway, that's my little Gaga rant. And yes, I am a fan and have been for pretty much since she first appeared on the scene. But I do also like Madonna. And we will talk about that later. So I'm at yet another cliche that some people would, would claim that I, 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 I live and love cliches. But it's just what I like. And just get used to it. Um, so yes, um, those are the things that kind of happened. And I say, and I've been in Scotland, and and it was cold, but I had a, a brilliant time. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to perhaps um, some of the acquaintances I've made up there, then coming down and joining me in London. And um, so yes, I had a, I had a I had a wonderful time. But we want to move on. We want to move on to. Back to the story, back to where we were before. Now, um, I think I'd got to the point where, well, basically, I was, <clears throat> I was still just in training, um, and I had, uh, I'd gotten into drama school, and we kind of talked about all around that and how that happened. But I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, there were two, two, two gentlemen in my year. Um, one who I'm still in contact with on Facebook called Dominic. Um, and hello, Dominic. Hopefully you listen to this at some point. Um, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to you. And then there was another guy called Tizzy. Um, I don't know where he is in the world and what's happened to him. But hopefully he's well and, and happy. And if by chance he ever hears this, hi. Um, yes, just two very strong characters. I mean... In, when I say strong characters, they were just um, out and proud gay boys, men in my year. And kind of at a time before I'd really learnt, I'd learnt the ropes. Um, and so unknowingly, I watched them and followed their, took their lead a bit. Um, and they just seemed like extremely happy with extremely happy people and extremely happy with what they were doing um and uh, so i sort of secretly they 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 were my inspiration so hello and thank you for that um there were a few of us in my year um and uh, and i did befriend a couple and uh so yes it was it was really healthy for me to to kind of be learning the ropes about being an actor but also learning the ropes to, about how how i fit in in gay land gay world gay culture um as i said i did live in um i lived in bedsits and there was one i think i mentioned a bedsit with lots and lots of ladies all all of us living in a, in a big house that was separated into different rooms so we all had our own kitchens we shared a couple of bathrooms um we had mice which is eventually what pretty much pushed everyone out and not just occasional mouse uh, to, to the point that they they were dripping from a curtain at one point um mm, pleasant but anyway uh, we all lived very by the way we were all really clean it was just the house was overrun um but i lived with uh some ladies uh now let's think there was adele who I already mentioned who i sh lived in a house in a, another flat with and she was really supportive through drama school and and kind of guiding me to things that I should should have known or perhaps 
I hadn't had exposure to. So she was she was great at exposing. So thank you. And then there was um, there was Sally who lived upstairs. Sally's a lovely lady, and I'm still in touch with her um, on the old Facebook. And she was uh, I I was always, I always felt she was super super cultured, super highbrow. And um, and always had a good book on the go, as I recall. Um, and she lived upstairs, and her room was the first one I believe to get mice. Not blaming her, but it was that room. And whether she was in it at the time, oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, she was, she is a wonderful person, and uh, she was really tall. And she played Cleopatra, and she always played powerful women. She was always the super powerful woman. Um, yeah, she was. Uh, she was. She is a force to be reckoned with. So um, hello to her. There was another girl who was a punk goth um, called Louise. And Louise and I had a lot in common because of music tastes. And we went to gigs together and we used to go and see a band called The Wonder Stuff quite a lot together and had a lot of laughs um, and, uh, and and similar sense of humour. Um, and then there was another lady called Amanda who was very spiritual. And so it was quite a... And she was lovely. It was quite a balance. Um, and also living in a house full of women... Though they would occasionally have issues with each other, they didn't so much about me. Maybe sometimes I'd have music on a bit too loudly um, because at that point I was, as we've talked about Prince, I'm not going to go back there today, but I also was super, super, I am, I'm a huge, here we go, the stereotyping, I'm a huge Madonna fan. Um, slightly less so as I was at this, at this point. Um... When I was living with the girls, it was uh, the time of blonde ambition. I remember going back and showing them that I had a ticket and I was going on my own because no one else was quite as interested as I was. So I went and bought myself um, a blonde ambition ticket at Wembley Stadium. And my goodness, that was one show that never forget. And when Truth or Dare or In Bed With Madonna, as you want to call it, those films that are the documentary, um, the documents of that tour um, that a guy called Alex Kishan did, um, it reminds me of just, of, well, actually just of the gig and that day. And I remember uh, a band called, a band, a an outfit called Technotronic were, were supporting Madonna. And when they were playing, dancing with, with her dancers at kind of the front of the side of the stage, uh, they'd come out just to watch. And of course, I didn't really know who they were then. I mean, now they, because of that film, they became kind of, huge stars themselves um but that was that was something to remember so i so they now have their own film striker pose which i'm looking forward to seeing about that time and about their experiences with each other and um it looks like it's quite moving but anyway so digression number one of the day um so yes madonna now I've liked her since I was 15 years old and I was kind of drawn to her, to her colour and when I say her colour, her colours, her her hair, um, which was, well, you know, all sorts of colours, a pink tip sometimes. And, and, and this is kind of in the days before she'd even gotten to the like a virgin, where she'd really became, you know, a big, huge world star. Um, I'd seen pictures in... Again, I think it was ID magazine, but it was definitely one of those fashion magazines that I was trying to aspire to be people like. And Madonna, this is back in Devon now, I'd, I'd, I'd bought uh, Lucky Star before it was a hit. It later became a hit. It was released again. But this time around, it wasn't a hit. And I used to play this to friends and people were kind of 
vaguely interested in. A lot of people just look. I remember looking at the at the the cover of the single and looking at this woman, and kind of being like, yeah, yeah, there's something here. And then she released Holiday, and then it was kind of a bit more of a push. But then they didn't put her image on the cover. It's a picture of, I think it's like a 1950s picture of a steam train in a, I guess, Grand Central Station. So anyway, um, so I was really, really intrigued by her, drawn to her, bought Lucky Star. And then there was a show, a television show that I used to love on a Friday um, Friday evening before going out or having a, 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 my mates coming over. Um, early evening, there would be, there's this show called The Tube. For those of you who remember, I'm sure you, you probably loved it as much as I did. It was presented by Jules Holland um, of Jules Holland uh, TV show fame and Squeeze. Um, the band Squeeze and um, and Paula Yates, who was married to Bob Geldof and um, had a long term relationship with Michael Hutchins, and sadly she's no longer with us. Um, but it was a brilliant show, and was I, I again? I used to get super excited about just the theme tune coming on, and I would be ready. Show me what what I should be listening to. What should I be looking at? What do I what should I be looking like? as much as anything anyway um so there was one night where they had this live performance from the hacienda in manchester and it was madonna and i absolutely loved it actually seeing her dancing it was very much you know the, the basic dance routine she was doing then were very cool and funky wasn't the kind of slick stuff that she's sort of five years later and up to now uh is still doing um but really, I mean, all her albums relate to albums and songs relate to points in my life. Into the Groove, which is one of my favourite songs, which is from the film Desperately Seeking Susan, which I love. People, she she doesn't really have to act too much in that. She's being, she's being an extension of the Madonna that she was at that point, uh, which was you know a very hip New York. She hung out with um, a lot of very interesting people. I mean, she was even in the um, Warhol circle. Um, uh, you just just um, Keith Haring and and people who I also admire, um, but a, a really cool time in New York before it got cleaned up. And uh, New York looked New York was a bit more edgy, but anyway, that film loved that for that reason. Um, but also that song, I went to see the film um, the day after my my nan died. Um, and I kind of have some. It relates to that. Um, a little bit so when I hear that song there is an element that reminds me of that when I see that film that reminds me of that not in a negative way um, but it is just a point in time and then my 40th birthday bunch of people in Prague which is an amazing we'll talk about that another time um, and discovering gay Prague with my mates on my 40th they created this uh, little short film um, snippets um, pictures of me when I was a, a babe in arms and um, and and Into the Groove was the song that played over that so there's now that association with it as well associations today the word we're using is associations um, but yes I mean I, I just thought um, th th there are so many albums I mean the ones that really come to mind excuse me are um, my goodness there are so many um, I suppose, like a prayer album, I relate to being at drama school, definitely. Um, and uh, erotica was uh, my the period I was at um, 
with the Lost Theatre, which we'll talk a bit about later. Um, uh, prides. Um, I suppose there are a few prides where Bedtime Story comes to mind and all the songs from that. And that's one of my favourite albums. Um, Confessions and Dance Floor is an album that I relate to my time uh, in The Terrible Infants and touring around the world with those guys and probably annoying them a bit too much with that album, dancing with my sister to a couple of tracks relentlessly after a few shandies late at night um, to tracks from that. So that's a memory. Um, Ray of Light was the album that kind of took me across the ocean to the US um, and was huge at the time when I went for my longest trip. I went with my friend Brendan, hello, um, to San Francisco for the first time. And we were there. It was, I don't know, it was, it, it was nearly a month. It wasn't long. <laughs> it wasn't much under a month. And anyway, in that period of time, I met my wonderful hello Keith, other half. And um, so I relate that to us and to that scenario and to that trip and to meeting Keith. Um, also, we both have our own, uh, my other half and I also have uh, our Madonna album, which um, is American Life, which is not a favourite of a lot of people. But again, I relate that to just being the first time I lived with Keith on our own in a flat and the album was huge. So yeah, I mean, we all do this, but so Madonna's been through, it's been part and parcel of so many experiences. Um, and it's just, I mean, I suppose all her kind of gay sensibilities, the dancers are always usually very attractive dancers. Um, her music has just kind of, is always been there in, in situations, in bars and clubs. And so, yeah, I, you can't escape it. And you don't, you know, there are a lot of people who gay as well as straight who I know who just aren't big fans and uh, and some who have kind of I don't want to say fallen by the wayside because you're allowed to change your tastes and my love is not as deep as it was um but I still I still find everything she does fascinating and and she never kind of fails to to pull something out of the bag I mean recently there's now um there's new adoptions and and people criticise that, and I think, well, you know, if you're saving some children from, or you're giving kids a better life, you know, then if there's ulterior motives, there all there's good being done by that anyway. So I, 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 I will never critique that. Um, helping kids have a better life, anyway. I mean, I've, I've, I've encountered Madonna myself in life. Once I saw her in on stage in the West End in a play called Up for Grabs where she played an art dealer. And it was, it was, to be honest with you, it was slightly marred by, it wasn't her performance because I didn't always get to hear everything she was saying because there were moments where she would just appear and the crowd went wild and kind of, I get it and I, I'm excited to see somebody like that. But there were, there were people there who probably didn't, go to the theatre very often and maybe I don't know if they went again very often after that and that's okay I'm not criticising that it's just they you couldn't always hear the words and the story maybe was lost just by people being fascinated to watching I, I suppose at that time the world's most famous woman and so yes I, I, I met her I was working at the Duke of York's theatre uh, in the West End um, and when I say working I was um 
kind of involved in marketing for a couple of shows. It was just one of the jobs on the side. Um, and I just ran around London and did ran errands really for the Duke of Yorks um, and had a really good time. Actually, I uh, worked for them while they were doing uh, when Rocky Horror Show was there. Um, and Anthony Stewart Head was uh, Frankenfurter in that show, I believe. Um, so it's that time, if anybody wants to date it by who was playing who. And then um, there was a show called Rat in the Skull um, with the actor Rufus Sewell. And this is pre-Madonna meeting Guy Ritchie, so it's post-Sean Penn um, and, and pre-Guy Ritchie. And people were saying that she was out in London looking for an Englishman. Um, who knows? But she certainly found one. Um, but this is so before Guy Ritchie Rufus Saul and she'd come to see the play and I didn't know she was arriving my boss just said uh, don't leave yet it was kind of early evening don't go anywhere you're done but just hang about in the foyer and my friend Rachel uh, Hughes had come to meet me just to have a night out and I said I'm sorry we're gonna have to wait and she's like really we just need to go out and it's time to be having sherry and anyway hanging around I could hear people in the box office talking about this woman arriving, thinking, oh, and it sounded like royalty, and she's always late. And I thought, oh, maybe it's Fergie, Sarah Ferguson, not the pop star. And um, anyway, long story short, a giant of a man walks in the door, followed by this tiny, petite, immaculately dressed woman with hair tied up in a bun. Kind of, this is the time she was in London recording Evita, so it's that period of her life and how she looked around she was very very stu- it was very um sort of i suppose even slightly jackie o-esque oh there's a film i want to see there we go slight sidebar but i need to go and see that film J- jackie uh with natalie portman excited about that anyway so she was very stylish my friend rachel had a nervous reaction and as madonna walked kind of towards us to go into the um actually into the auditorium uh, my friend Rachel just said her name very loudly in my mind screamed it but I think she just said it very loudly in shock and Madonna in my mind it all goes into slow motion she stopped she didn't actually stop I think she probably slowed down a, 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 a minuscule of a moment of, of of kind of taking her time but she didn't stop to talk but she did say and I think we always we thought we heard that's my name don't wear it out it was something like that. Um, more resonance, please, Madonna. Um, um, and rolled her eyes and sort of continued on. And and we were gone from her memory. But however, for us, it was a moment. And I did actually look into the eyes of the world's biggest pop star at that point. And as being a huge fan, it was just... <laughs> it was mind-blowing. Um, this is before we had mobile phones. Well, before I certainly had a mobile phone. And so uh, I had to go and ring various friends who were also big fans and say, first of all, Madonna's in the West End, you need to come and hang around and if you want to see her. But second of all, I've just spoken to her. She looked at me, she spoke to me and we're best friends. Um, So that was my meeting Madonna moment. Very exciting. Anyway, um, back to drama school digression number two. It's not really a digression. It's just, let's say sidebar, sidebar. I don't really like the words because it's two words, sidebar. But anyway, sidebar. Um, let's go back to drama school. 
Um, I've had some lifelong friends from drama school. Um, there's uh, Simon Tomlinson, who is uh, now a dad living in the uh, sort of uh, lower north Midlands area, and um, and is a is a is a is a I think head of drama. But anyway, drama teacher. Sorry, Simon. I should know exactly your job title but anyway teaches drama and is uh, I know is doing very well and that students love him so has kind of gone into that world um, my my oldest friend Guy who is uh, going to be best man at our wedding um, and uh, now uh, lives in the north uh, everyone's gone north some of them came from north and went back there and on a looking out the window today and oh there's snowflakes there's snowflakes on a day like today i don't think they're going to settle day like today you kind of go well you know i don't know if there's any more sun up there there certainly wasn't in scotland yesterday but anyway much of a muchness really um and then uh, at this point of course i do have to mention that i talked long and and along at length about my friend phil from devon and he came to live with me and then uh, nearby uh, in another bedsit nearby uh, while I was at drama school. And he and Simon became really good close chums as well and ended up going to New Zealand together. And this is just post drama school. And actually, this leads me on to, funnily enough, um, the next stage of my coming out and sort of learning the ropes and and me as an actor as well. Uh, was uh, they went to New Zealand and I sort of had had a bit of I'd been a little bit lazy again probably and left uh, wasn't pushing myself and wasn't kind of actually searching for much and um, yeah post drama school strange time for me um, but actually because they weren't around to just be because we did a lot of post drama school just having a nice life um, I'd had some money left over from an inheritance, which I was spending the last bit of, um, and so not feeling the need to, and being encouraged by Prince to just have a nice time, and I was more than happy to do that. But anyway, sort of being left in the lurch slightly, I, I, it moved me on, and so I kind of felt like I needed more training or experience. Drama school had been, you know, had given me a fair amount, but hadn't had enough and I still felt I was behind a lot of other people so one day I was just kind of scaring through the stage um, the newspaper and um, I discovered this advert for a play called Another Country now Another Country I'd loved as a film with Rupert Everett um, and I just found it a, a, a just a really quite romantic I mean not that it's a love story really um, but just the, 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 I don't know, the time that it's set in and, and, and the characters um, and the character that I auditioned for, which was a guy called uh, Tommy Judd, um, was a, uh, as a teenage boy in a, in a well, essentially in Eton, was, um, was a staunch uh, socialist and... I learned a lot more about socialism from playing that. So I got the role. I went to the, the audition in the Lost Theatre and got the role in another country. And I loved it. I had a wonderful time. It was one of, it's still one of my favourite plays and 
experiences of being in a play um some great great people in that show some uh, one of my best friends still to this day mr anthony green who's gone on to produce shows for me um to my first two plays i've been involved in a lot of other stuff so uh, yep so a lifelong friend there um and hello to you <laughs> um and then uh there was i, I was working directly with um the guy i was tommy judd the guy who was playing bennett who was the other sort of lead um was an actor called justin shevlin who uh, is also a friend on facebook hello if you're listening um and we had it was the first time i really had a really good rapport i mean i had a good rapport at drama school with people but this was kind of I'd never had, I'd never been involved in a production where you were working so closely with someone else and you were push, pushing the story, you were driving the story together. Um, and a lot of rehearsals where it was just us, two of us and the director. And sitting and talking for hours afterwards and just, I had a wonderful time with these guys. Um, the director was a guy called Robin who uh, I haven't seen for years but was we used to doubt himself a lot but was so inspirational actually um uh there was uh there was a there was dennis kelly who now is a huge hugely successful um playwright um screenwriter um works with um tim minchin on matilda amongst other things and has had plays around the world via the national and elsewhere um hugely successful but he was a he was a really nice guy actually and um I was mugged in London um, around this time and Dennis was one of the people who really kind of made sure I was okay and that, you know, the aftermath uh, wasn't too traumatic and, yeah, and, and checked in and kind of kept an eye on me a little bit. So, so yeah, a, a great guy and, and I sadly have lost touch with him. Um, but anyway, um, so it was a really good group of people. There was another guy, a guy called a friend called Patrick Dean Waters, and he was he was a different again another type of gay man that I hadn't really encountered. Well, I had, but I hadn't actually had a good close friendship with. And when I say a different thing with Patrick was that he was kind of he was quite spiritual, but he would also be really interested in going to slightly cooler places, and had gone to stage school and kind of grown up in the centre of London and knew the West End back to front and had a lot of connections and with a lot of people and a lot of theatres. But it wasn't with him, it wasn't so much about theatre, it was about clubs and about... He took me to um, to the fridge for the first time. He lived in Brixton, so we used to hang out in Brixton. Um, this is back, and Brixton was still quite edgy and people would say, you don't want to go there at night, which of course made me find think that it was going to be even cooler and more exciting, so I did. Um... But the Fridge in Brixton, wonderful nights there. Um, saw Take That for the first time. I think it was one of their first gigs ever. <laughs> it's, this is going back a long time when they were young men. Um, we used to go to Heaven um, before Heaven was kind of ruled by G.A.Y. Um, there used to be a, a Wednesday night club called Fruit Machine. And Fruit Machine was just R&B funk and soul and it was kind of one of the places where you could go where where gay people could go and have that experience because a lot of it was was high energy and driven by that sort of stuff or more pop and that's all good and it all has its place and I loved all that but I also needed to have a place where I could go and really sort of 
dance and it was more about the music than it was about um, cruising each other, even though of course that happened, but it was really about just having a really good time um, and appreciating the music and people singing along to tracks that you wouldn't hear in other places. So anyway, so thank you to that. So the, all these experiences came from one play. Um, so another country, I, I, I have that to thank another country for. Um, so if you haven't seen it, please have a look at the film. Um, and the play does appear once once every so often. It'll suddenly appear again. Um, a huge, huge, huge moment in my life. So from that, I kind of went into this period of, I suppose, it was a bit like rep theatre, um, working at the Lost Theatre. I played Mephistopheles in Faust, uh, which was a great part. Um, I covered someone who dropped out straight after doing Another Country and made some great friends. There was a lady called Claire, who um, I still speak to occasionally, and uh, we we had a, a good friendship from that show and uh, kind of went through a lot of say sort of almost rep scenario. Did my first panto dame actually there um, in Aladdin? Um, did Alan Bennett's habeas corpus? Um, Stags and hens by Willie Russell. Um, my goodness, uh, Hedda Gabler, the Seagull uh, Torch Song trilogy. And so I got to play Arnold. That's where I played Arnold. And we also then took it out of uh, of Lost Theatre and went to the Redgrave Theatre in Bristol. So I got to sort of be in a really nice big theatre and playing that role in that scenario. Also took it to the Edinburgh Festival. Um, and I was a bit too young at that point. And now, as I said the other day, a bit too old now. But it was a wonderful experience to play a character that rich. And I say it was playing, you know, an older, uh, slightly jaded drag queen. Um, I didn't ever in the play get fully dragged up because um, it wasn't really the time to do that. A lot of it was kind of removing uh, makeup. And, and of course, it's a lot about the life story. Again, a recommendation. If you haven't seen the play or the film, both worth seeing. Um, so that was kind of my second gay play. So I'd, in, in, in a very short space of time, I'd done two gay play, gay plays, gay themed work. Um and I think that was really important for me to do that. And that's part of my coming out. Um, then, um, from being in the Lost Theatre, which I could go on for hours, and I have mentioned it before, but just a wonderful period of my life, uh, was I met um, through one of the directors at the Lost Theatre, his friend, um, a guy called Steve, his friend, Patrick Wilde, um, whose name is known to some of us, uh, was uh, had written his first play um, called What's Well, I don't know if it was his I don't know if it was his first play. Anyway, it was definitely his first big play, and it was huge. What's Wrong with Angry? Um, and it was a huge success that ended up becoming a film called Get Real, which is on Netflix. Have a look at that. So I was in the original casts of that and had a wonderful time doing that. And that was really sort of where my... Uh, where I kind of started to learn a little bit more about the politics. I'd, I used to read a lot about the politics of um, LGBTQ uh, community, but I wasn't kind of involving myself, and I did feel like I needed to. And this is what that play led to. Um, it was a really big part of, of my kind of just finally landing as a gay man and um, so I have to thank Patrick and everybody involved in that show for that um, it, there were some great actors in that there's a guy the main chap was uh, an actor called Tom Wisdom 
who actually has done another country in the West End, funnily enough, was also in Coronation Street as a hairdresser, I think. It's going back a while. Um, and But now he's working in America, um, Hollywood, and, and, and yeah, he's in all sorts of things over there. I'm doing really well. Um, and so uh, he was also, a lot of our audience were desperately in love with him. So he brought in swathes of fans. Um, there was a, uh, the other guy opposite him called Miles, who went on to be in Family's Affair, Family Affairs, and I think he went on to direct it as well, so soaps and stuff. Um, and then there was a lady called Joe Condon, who ended up being in Little Britain. They were kind of the three main characters, but then was a, the, a whole bunch of us playing bits and pieces. Uh, and again, I was playing a schoolboy, another country, and what's wrong with Angry? I was still young enough to get away with playing schoolboys on stage, on stage only. Um, and that that was uh, kind of where I, the first time I went out and was was basically kind of involving myself in politics. Um, I mean, just quickly to sorry to summary the summary of the sh- well not the summary of the show the sh- summary of the experience because I don't want to tell you a whole story of a play, but uh, the synopsis. But um, we were performing. We performed it initially at Lost Theatre. I think it was as a favour, as one of its launch pads, um, and then it went on to play at the Oval House Theatre, which was which does a lot of LGBT work still to this day. Um, and then we had two runs at BAC: one in a studio, and then one in the main house. We had a long run in the main house over a summer, I believe. I remember it being quite warm, um, and just it being solidly packed out. And just the response at the end of it every night was just wonderful um, because it was quite political and it was dealing with um, homophobia in schools and 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 repression and and a lot of that those subjects. So a lot of people really related to it. So there were there were quite a lot of a quite often a, a bit of an older audience. Um, when I say older people, my age now, but at the time they seemed yeah. Um, but that led me into going down with members of the cast and um, and our and our director and writer to stand outside Parliament um, in 19... So this 1994, and uh, the age of consent was being reconsidered because basically, just to keep you up to date if you're not quite sure on years and stuff on that, it was um, the year before I was born. It was only changed. It was only... Um, only became legal... Uh, to to be gay essentially in 1967 i was born in 68 so only one year after i was born it's frightening really uh, and it was 21 from that point onwards that you could you could be gay you could be consensually gay um and then uh it was so 94 people were saying that it needed to be more equal more equal i mean really it ended up being completely equal as it is now at the age of 16 but that wasn't until 2001. In 94, eventually went down from 21 to 18. But that was... It was partly to do with a lot of people kicking up a lot of fuss and saying, this is ridiculous, and this leads to a lot more problems. And people feeling that, well, if they can't really be themselves, that, that you know, that, that just the feeling of being just illegal by nature, by your own nature, by something that, well, I believe personally that I was born with, that that's so <laughs> insane, insane. Um, so 
I, I, I was I was driven and encouraged by people involved with what's wrong with angry to go and stand outside Parliament and make my make voice voice my concerns and 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 make sure that I and I shouted a lot stood outside Parliament shouted a lot um, so yeah and, that, and anyway went down um, then there were the the, the protests against um, Section Twenty Eight which was repealed in. 2003 um, and that was kind of so section 28 was or clause 28 were was addressing people um, promoting homosexuality in schools which sounds like people were standing in uniforms handing out leaflets and flyers to sell homosexuality all it was it was based on this book um, well, it was based. It, it kind of kicked kicked off, shall we say, because of this book that was um, that was taken into um, an inner London school, and it uh, you could buy it sort of mainstream um, bookshops and things, but it had been included um, not in the curriculum because it was in a you know it was in a an infant's school in in London um, and. Uh, excuse me and now I'm sorry I'm just looking because I wrote down the name because I couldn't remember I had to google it earlier oh here we go it's called yeah it's called Jenny Lives with Eric and Martin yes um and it was a really positive story just saying look here's another way to live um and and it's totally as equal and as normal as any any other life um and uh however that really tipped certain politicians over uh and um and so yeah so that was dealing with that uh dealing with it it was it was repressing it it was i mean so it, therefore there was a lot of marches organized by um two groups um there was stonewall um named after the stonewall bar stonewall riots i um also i have to just say People, a lot of people talk about Stonewall being the first and use the first kind of big demonstration, but there were also demonstrations um, in uh, Silver Lake in LA that were involved, that there was a group involved called the Mattachine Society, which I did a play called The Temperamentals, which I was so proud to do, written by a man called John Marins, a play that I loved um, with some great friends. That was a, that was a show to remember, and um, I'm hoping to get a couple of people from that in to be interviewed. Um, but so I learned about this group. The Mat I'd learned about this group, the Mattachine Society, prior to this. But just to say that they were they were they were they were fighting the cause in the fifties. This was happening in the fifties in a slightly different way. But anyway, I do want to address that and just this is just a a bookmark to remind me that we need to go back and talk about that. But anyway, Stonewall. Um, they were campaigning for equality and uh, and dealing with things like uh, asylum seekers who were uh, who were who are running from countries where they may be murdered, they may be tortured, still still happening. Um, and so they kind of did a lot of work in that field. Um, and, uh, I mean, and another group called Outrage, I mean, they're both, both groups tackling discrimination of all kinds, but Outrage probably did what they'd call more of a, a direct action approach, uh, more radical in their approach. And they did think that they were dealing with a lot of things like if if police were sort of ignoring um, gay bashing and also dealing with having gay 
people working within the Metropolitan Police who were gay and kind of pushing that as a thing. They were very involved in, in that stuff. So I, I, I got involved in both and stood outside Parliament with both groups and had friends involved in both groups. And I think it actually did me a lot of good having those experiences. And I feel I need to do a little bit more than that because sometimes a little bit of a sofa... Um, sofa protester shall we say and and cheer people on but I, I don't go out and do it as much and I really should so I'm kind of wrapping myself over the knuckles here but I need to do it and if I, I can't really complain that other younger people aren't doing it if I'm not doing it because I do often have this feeling and I think lots of people do that that, that younger um, LGBT people should actually be out there and should be grateful yeah, I, I don't want anyone to be grateful. I just want people to continue to sort of be aware that things, you can't sit back and let things just, just think everything's all right. Because I, well, as we all know at the world at the moment, isn't all right. And there's dangers of things slipping back and things are going back a few years. And just to keep your eye on it um, and don't just, just accept and don't let, just don't let, don't trick yourself into thinking things are always just going to be great. Um, politically with sexuality and stuff that you just do need to keep your eye on the ball um, so anyway so that's really me telling myself off as well I need to get back out on the line um, you know I mean you know I sign a lot of petitions still um, and and so get my point across that way but uh, anyway so I think maybe I'm digressing just giving you all the info so yes, we're talking about what's wrong with angry. We're talking about the lost theatre, um, how I loved being part of of, of a, a group of people um, that were involved in tackling homophobia in schools and and, and otherwise. Um, and then, you know, so I was learning a lot there. I mean, also I have to just again, I'm going to jump back slightly back to my Alra Drama School moments that I had other nurturers who really sort of helped me, even though they weren't necessarily gay. Um, themselves, that people who would guide me uh, be between bedsit life. I lived in a in a flat, for instance, with uh, Adele, who I'd mentioned before. She'd moved with me, and we lived with a guy called Pete Turnbull, who was a bit, who is a little bit older than me. Um, therefore, had a lot more experience. Had gone and done the Edinburgh Festival and had done sketch comedy, um, and uh, and was great for me to be around somebody with that background and enthusiasm and was always very um, nurturing actually both of them very nurturing Adele introduced me to um, Frida Kahlo and um, and to, to Joe Orton I obviously I knew a bit about Joe Orton and we talked about it in school in drama school anyway not in school school drama school and uh, I kind of became really fascinated and she talked about the diaries a lot and I read the diaries and there's a lot of interesting stuff there a lot of sad stuff and and some very inspiring stuff and um and the, him and and uh, Kenneth his partner their life I mean they you know well <laughs> watch the film there is a film with Gary Oldman playing and uh playing Joe Orton and um Alfred Molina playing um, Kenneth Halliwell. It's a really great script. And the screenplay is written by Alan Bennett, in fact, I believe. Yes, it is. Anyway, um, so my kind of, my, my love of Joe Orton grew then. And and um, and for a while, I did actually adopt, um, I, 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 I had a period where I was, I was dressing as Joe Orton at drama school and people would refer to it. And I felt quite proud of that because I thought, you know, if you're going to be, 
people are going to say you look like anyone. That's a cool person. So I had Joe Orton, at this point, I had Joe Orton and Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys a lot. And I have had that on and off over the years a lot, to a point where I was, a few years ago, five years ago, I was crossing a road in the West End in Cambridge Circus, and I looked to my right, and who should be there but Chris Lowe, the the other Pet Shop Boy. And there was almost a moment where he did kind of, and I had shades on and I had a baseball cap on, and so I suppose I was probably slightly more Neil Tennant than I would have been on other days and uh, and we crossed the road at the same time and he completely you know was going about his life and wasn't worried but I think I do wonder if he had a moment and thought oh that's strange because I certainly did and I felt like I was people were commenting and saying it's the Pet Shop Boys together so there we go a little moment I don't know anyway I also love their music um, and have seen them live uh, a couple of times someone else in my life so Anyway, um, so it's kind of the reason I'm kind of talking about all this stuff and all these people from from kind of lost theatre and drama school that kind of nurtured me and and gave me a lot of kind of I suppose a lot of the ability to try things out and then fail um, and then go back to them and say, well, that was an interesting night out or or just read that and I'm not really sure about that. So, but the, these these were kind of really informative times for me. Um, anyway, I mean, essentially, this just all pushed me on to, to 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 want to discover more and to write more, which I've ended up doing a, a fair amount of, um, which we will come to in the night in in the next podcast. But things um, I've been in a zillion gay themed pieces, directed pieces, written pieces, uh, everything from. Um, I directed a, a sketch show called The Gaydar Diaries written by my friend Menno Kuiper. Um, and it was an incredible experience. It was so much fun. It was just ridiculous. It was very rude. Um, and it was with a bunch of guys. And again, it was being with a team, uh, being with a team of people who were all in it for the right reasons. Everybody wanted to have fun. Everybody worked hard and I made sure they did work hard. Um, in that scenario, kind of... Yeah, I, I, I can be a bit of a slave driver, actually, sometimes, but in the nicest possible way. Um, but some of my closest friends have come through that. Um, Tony and Greg and Menno, of course, and others. Um, David Paul West. Lots of great people involved in that. Um, ben Matthews. Hello to all those people. I always like to name check. I'm trying not to list too many people all the time, but I would like to think that, you know, people would thank me in their life stories um, as they go through because people are important. People are important is the main thing theme of this today's podcast anyway um but also just yeah so i've gone on and 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 obviously we talked about the temperamentals and we'll talk more about that i was in a play called lilies um at the dublin gay theater festival i've done three of those one as a writer had a had had some really nice reviews back from play i'd written called lightning strikes so must touch on that at some point um my first play ever I'd written that my friend Anthony from another country produced because however do you want me so many bits and pieces and kind of I'm as I'm saying it I'm hearing and realizing that I need to dedicate some time to some of that and from all these plays and all these experiences wonderful people I've worked with and 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 who've who've nurtured and and assisted and cajoled me into being the person that I am now um but yes, anyway, I'm not going to chat on too much more because I have so much more I want to say. And um, I think it's another podcast in itself on 
because I can feel the politics bubbling up now and I want to sort of talk a lot about that but I think if I start on that now we'll be here for a long time <laughs> so I want to thank you for listening um, and uh, keep with us and um, next week I am recording my first interviews so they'll be popping out very very soon um, so thank you keep listening keep subscribing and we'll chat very very soon